Welcome to the Kenza Pod, brought to you by the Kenza Collective, a platform designed to teach parents how to leverage their existing skills and network to create a successful freelance business. On this podcast, we bring you inspiring stories from other parent entrepreneurs, and we share pro tips to help you build a sustainable business so that you can create a life and a living that truly works for your family. All right, folks, it is that time of the year again, time for us to prepare for taxes. (laughs) Tax time. We are excited to welcome Kirsten Smith back to the podcast. Kirsten Smith is in the house. (laughs) Yay. Good to be back. Nice to see you two ladies again. Yay. And of course, we we have Beth Gummery, also in the American house right now. She's not in Denmark at the moment. She's got some finger guns going on. If anybody watches this on video, (laughs) check that part out. So we are going to have Kirsten walk us through everything we need to start gathering at this point in time to help make people like her happy. When it comes to information, we want to make her job easy. People like her and her job easy and make your job easy as well as you gather all this information. So what we're going to do is kind of go down a list of things that you need to start thinking about, preparing, organizing. And what's cool is that Kirsten has provided us with a super handy uh, worksheet. Some call it a tax organizer, income and expense summary. Um, It's just something for you to fill in as you gather this information, and then you will turn that into your tax person um, when you have everything gathered. Um, You will not be handing them a shoebox of receipts or Or, or envelopes stuffed full of things with stuff flying out. No, not that either. (laughs) You won't do that to them. Don't do it. Um, you're going to give them something very organized and, uh, ready to go so that they can spend more time trying to find you money and less time trying to dig through all your crap. Right, Kirsten? (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of the game. (laughs) Um, and this advice is general enough for any business type business entity. So whether you're a sole prop or an LLC or an S corp, this is general enough for that. Um, as Kirsten was sharing before we hit record, the point is to Gather and organize all of your information, regardless of what type of business you are, and then leave it up to your tax preparer to just determine how to apply that information. But with that said, if you have a more complex business, so maybe you have business partners or um, just anything more complex than just you bringing in money from clients, uh, you... And even at that point, we really always encourage you to work with a professional on your taxes, especially if you're just getting started. Um, You don't need to stress out about this and spend countless hours trying to figure everything out. It's really great to work with a professional. And one of the main reasons why I really love working with Kirsten um, is that I uh, just make a list of questions and I just pick her brain um, when we meet for our tax preparation. And I use it as an opportunity to just learn from her and just continue to expand my knowledge around how taxes work, because this is important to know when you're running your own business. So enough of that. Kirsten, um, can you just tell us a little bit about you and who you are personally and professionally, just to remind our listeners and listener land who you are? 
Um, thanks, Tiffany. I am an enrolled agent and which is different than a CPA who is educated and certified in accounting or um, an attorney. And those are the three credentials that you would look for um, for do, having someone do your taxes. Now, not all attorneys do taxes, not all CPAs, um, but an enrolled agent, all of my education and continuing education is in taxes. And enrolled agents also are um, able to perform work before the IRS. That means helping somebody all the way through an audit and the appeals process. Um, so that's what an enrolled agent is. And I've been doing that for 10 years now and really helping a lot of people with taxes who have small businesses, um, both sole proprietor as well as separate entities. And so that's who I am. <laughs> and what, what about I do. personally, who are you, Kirsten? I live in Santa Cruz, California. I'm a mother of two grown children who are trying to find their way through their education and new careers um, during this pandemic. So before we dive right into the list of things to start to gather, there are a couple things that you um, may want to kind of a to-do list of things that you should get ahead of um, as soon as possible. So by the time this episode airs, the deadline will have come and gone for sending out 1099s to any of your subcontractors. And if you haven't done that yet, do that right now. Take care of that. Um, and make sure that you're using the new 1099-NEC form, which can be found on both Kirsten and Beth's favorite website, irs.gov. They do have a very nice website. Um, I just want to say, just because it's the IRS, don't be intimidated by it. It's really a well-organized um, and informative website. So please, please go there and use it if you have the opportunity to or have questions. I think you said at one point, Beth, the best part about it is that, you know, the information is coming straight from the IRS. So you're not reading someone's yeah. personal blog, hoping that they are informed, you know, <laughs> it's actually the IRS. Yeah, it, it's right from them. So if they say, don't do this, then don't do that. You know, whatever that thing is, you know, so, so yeah, it's a great, it's a great source of information. Absolutely. And on IRS, I have found that going to find a form there's going to be instructions right next to it, which has been easier for me to navigate than finding these other apps that want to charge you money to fill in their forms. You can easily just print a form, find the instructions, fill it out, and mail it in. And that's just as adequate as trying to navigate any of these other apps online. That is so funny you say that, Kirsten, because I was spending the afternoon yesterday trying to trying to find different little apps to use, and they were all just so cumbersome and annoying. And I was like, "Why am I doing this? I could have filled out all my forms in a PDF in two seconds, you know, much faster than this." So that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> and then next up on that checklist is to just start to look into whether or not you owe sales tax in your city, your county, or your state. Get out ahead of that. Understand what that's going to look like. And there were a couple of others. There was one on here, Kirsten, that you mentioned about. Um, you said, are you registered to file and pay city business taxes if you live in a major metropolis like LA or New York? Did you want to speak to that quickly? There's, and this doesn't apply to all cities. And so that's why um, check in with your city when you register as a business, um, what your obligations are. 
And, you know, if you can't read through all the information on a website, then call somebody. I know that in Los Angeles, um, you are required to file your income generated within Los Angeles and within California. Mm. And it needs to be filed by the end of February. And if it's timely filed, you can get an exemption for up to $100,000 of income if you're a small business, uh, $300,000 if you are in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. So being timely with these kinds of things can spare you a lot of money. So by not filing on time, then you just simply owe all the tax. You didn't get that exemption. Mm. So check in with that. I know San Francisco has got some. Even here in Santa Cruz, there's um, a, a tax being paid for not having enough parking. Um, New York, I'm sure, has taxes going on. So check in with your city on that and what's expected of you as a business. And finding that expert um, helping with the taxes in your city is can be key for that because they most likely know about what to look for. Awesome advice. Um, and, and that's a good segue into the final thing on this on this sort of more timely checklist, which is if you haven't yet Find, find and book a tax preparer. Get that initial meeting set up with them. Ask all your questions. Make sure you know what's going to ex be expected of you and by when. Um, the deeper we get into tax season, the harder it will be to find someone who's not already booked, especially if they're good at what they're doing. Um, so do that ASAP. At least get that appointment on the books so that you can get ahead of it. Yeah. And if you have a, a person you work with, you'll probably start talking in about November about things that you may want to do before the year ends. Um, so that's a good reason to establish a relationship with a tax person and then just you know, check in with them during the year. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, they'll want to make sure that you're doing your estimated taxes and all that other stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, create a relationship and think of it as a long-term relationship, not just a one-time do the taxes, but, right. you know, this is going to be the person who guides you. Absolutely. Let's go through our little checklist here of the things that you need to start thinking about and gathering so that um, you're prepared. And so that, again, your tax preparer loves you. Let's start off with expenses and deductions. So Kirsten, talk us through what people should be looking at and thinking about. Um, let's start with expenses first, what they need to start gathering. When it comes to expenses, you're going to, the things that you already know, you know, the website that you paid for, the new computer or microphone that you bought, um, those things are obvious, but don't be the deciding factor on what goes on your taxes or not. Let your expert decide that for you. So write down everything and categorize it. So that way, write down your whole cell phone bill for the whole year and then tell them how much of that you know you think you worked. You don't need to do the math on it. It's easier for your tax preparer to get your full amount of expenses and then deal with the math consistently. So um, your cell phone bill, your telephone bill, if you've got a landline, your internet, um, and this is going to run into the question of expenses that might be for your home versus for your business. And a lot of people are facing that this year in particular with COVID because they're working from home. 
So um, some of us have heard that uh, home office expenses were kind of chopped off of the tax return. That's only very partially true. Um, that would be for if you are an employee, um, that part of the itemized deductions was taken away. I would not be surprised if the new administration comes back and adds that on for 2020, even if it's um, retrospect, you know, in a future year, they come back and say, you know what, you can go back to 2020 and take that. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. So I'm encouraging all of my tax clients to go through that exercise, write down your rent payments, your utility bills, your repairs that you did to make a suitable office for yourself. If you're an employee, if your spouse is an employee and has to use part of it, and especially for your business, um, because it may come up in the future and that's gonna be really handy to have already summarized, just looking back your one year. Um, but for all of you with businesses, um, sole proprietor or an entity, you can deduct that right there on your Schedule C um, as part of your business expenses is the office setup that you created at home. And again, um, this is um, the perfect place to discuss with your tax preparer. Um, put your whole amount and then they can help you figure out the math or they can do the math for you, asking you the appropriate questions about square footage of the office or the usage of your home, that kind of thing. Um, also with expenses, your health insurance. And so that part gets kind of confusing with the marketplace as to how much your health insurance cost. If you got a subsidy, how much you paid, you want to put how much you paid out of pocket every month. Um, and then give that to them as its own summary line item. And your tax preparer can decide whether that goes on to your business um, deduction or onto your personal as a self-employed health insurance cost. So include that as well. And with expenses, um, thank you, Tiffany, for mentioning the shoebox. Uh, we really don't want to be responsible for all these receipts flying around because receipts are generally unmarked other than like the last four digits of your card. And that could take me four days to go through someone's book and summarize everything. So that takes away valuable time for me being able to counsel people, from me being able to actually put your tax return together. So go through your own receipts um, or consolidate just by using a bank account or specific credit cards and make it easier on yourself. Um, and create that summary sheet so that way you can see how much income came in and um, all of those expenses with line items. So my, my overall advice is put everything, everything, summarize all of your expenses and give that to your tax person and let them sort through your summary as to what is deductible and what isn't. So you don't need to worry about that part. Perfect. I love that. So basically mm -hmm. just organize all of the information, make notes on what you need to make notes on, and then let, mm -hmm. the, let the professional handle it. Absolutely.
Beth, is there something you wanted to add to this category of expenses and deductions? No, I think that's that's really all great advice. And also, you know, keep copies of stuff for yourself, make a folder for yourself, you know, whatever you're giving to somebody else, make sure that you kept a copy, mm -hmm. just in case. Mm -hmm. um, you never know what can happen. But try to also keep your your end of it as organized as possible, just in case. Um, and again, yeah, don't if if you're if you're looking at receipts from credit cards and you're looking at bank statements, you know, most of these things have online access and you can, you can download a lot of things into Excel. And so consider doing that and consider, you know, um, highlighting things, you know, making spreadsheets and highlighting stuff. It's, that's also a, a good way to uh, total stuff up mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, process a little of the data yourself for both for your records and for your tax person. I'll take a moment here to just say that, you know, while we are talking about in the moment getting stuff prepared, there are some things you can do for your next yourself to if you're, you know, if you're having to dig through a lot of stuff, try to not do that to yourself again. So here on the Kenza pod, we always emphasize having a separate um, bank account and credit card account set up for your business and then connect those accounts to the accounting software that you're using so that it's super clean and easy at the end of the year to see all your very specific business expenditures um, and, and anything that you did that year. And mm -hmm. you, know, you do need to groom that list as expenses do come in from the credit card into your accounting software and help it learn. You know, Typically there's something you can check that says, whatever you just did, apply this to all future expenses like this keep it categorized. I go in um, once a week or once every two weeks and look at whatever's flowing in and just make sure it's categorized. That way it's not a big deal at the end of the year. Some did slip through the cracks and I mm -hmm. had to go through my report and fix that, but it, it was like four or five. It wasn't like 40 or 50. So just set yourself up for success by doing the right thing all along the way, collecting those W-9s right when you're working with a subcontractor. Don't try and hunt them down later. It's just a waste of your time and it's unnecessary. So anyway, I'll get off of that. <laughs> well, no, that's a, that's a really good point, Tiffany, because I know I, I'm literally working with people right now that are like pulling their hair out going, I don't have so-and-so's W-9. And I don't want to say this to them right now, but um, at, I always tell people when I'm working with different companies, best practice is before you pay anybody, get their W-9. That way you have to hunt them down because they're really motivated if they're waiting for a check. They're right. a little less motivated if it's January and they're not working with you anymore and they've moved or some other crazy thing. Absolutely. So, but make that part of your, your standard practices. I think the only other thing we wanted to mention in terms of um, expenses and deductions is just a quick talk about cash and how cash was handled. What did you want to say about that, Kirsten? So with cash, and that leads into um, another thing, if you don't have it set up on QuickBooks or Quicken or FreshBooks or any other kind of software, then, you know, and you're putting everything together, don't leave things out. You know, if you paid in cash, don't leave that out. Let your, you know, uh, tax preparer know that these are all the the cash things that you paid for. You paid um, if you paid a person in cash. Um, what you can do is if when you go and get your cash and you get a receipt for it, 
um, write the name of the person that it went to and what it was for and keep that as a receipt for its payment. Um, you can still do a 1099 for that person and then take that as a deduction as well. Um, sometimes cash uh, tools are bought with cash. Just make note of it. You know, here's a receipt for something. Um, you know, it was paid in cash, write down what it was and and keep that as a legitimate receipt um, so it can be put into accounting software just as easily as it can be added to your summary sheet and that's just kind of technically considered an owner contribution if it was your money versus income and then seen as an expense mm. but it's all an expense for the business that you're doing so cash receipts should be um, kind of kept in the same way. If you don't have receipts for it, you can keep a cash log. And a cash log is someplace that you would also keep income that you received in cash. Mm -hmm. So that cash log is just a, you know, a register, whether it's on your computer or on paper, of the income that you received. And then also anything that was purchased with cash can go on that as well. I could see maybe some people, this came up for me is I paid cash for um, like the desk I bought off of Facebook marketplace for my office. That's a great, mm -hmm. um, a great example of something that could be deducted that you bought in cash. Don't forget about it. You know, even if it was 30 bucks, this stuff all adds up, put it in there. Absolutely. It does. And, you know, you can, if you bought it off of Facebook uh, Marketplace or Craigslist or whatever, you can print uh, that page where you mm -hmm. found it online yeah. and you could write a little note on that printed out and write a little note. I purchased this desk for $30 on this day and, you know, put as much information on in, in your documentation as you can. And then that that counts. Right. That it's like creating your own receipt for it. And that's not only good for the summary of your deductions, but also for your insurance purposes, mm. you know, of keeping track of the tools and furniture that you've purchased, even if they are used. Oh, that's a great point. One other thing I wanted to mention about deductions that could be one of those things where you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with it, but you should is mileage. I know that, um, you know, maybe we didn't drive as much last year, but before the pandemic, and especially in 2019, for me personally, I had a client and I drove to their office once a week and it was a good 45 minute drive one way. And, you know, that mileage racks up and the way you can calculate um, how much, you know, you can put down for that is just look up every year the rates change. And so just look up 2019 mileage rates, 2020 mileage rates, and record all of that round trip mileage that you were doing. Cause that also really adds up, especially if you're going there regularly. Absolutely. And there's so many ways of keeping track of that and creating that mileage log. And I would go with what suits your personality. Is it something that's right there in the door of your car with a pen, um, keeping track of your mileage? Is it an app on your phone because those exist also and they will calculate your mileage right off your maps mm. from your starting point to where you're going oh, that's cool. um i know that some you know even bill pay things can um quickbooks online the app on your phone can keep track of it that way or even just a simple calendar keeping a calendar of where you went mm. you could recreate that log based on your calendar um, you know print that out keep a pdf of it or something of where you went each day 
for your clients. Mm -hmm. And that's an easy way of recreating that log if you need to prove it. Mm -hmm. um, and or creating it to see how many miles you actually did. And I also want to um, mention the idea that you can either deduct the specific uh, automobile charges or you can do the mileage, but you can't do both, right? Right. And so that's another thing that if you're good at doing the mileage and you didn't keep track of all of your gas receipts, then do go with your mileage. You know, if you're keeping track of both, then give both to your tax preparer and let them see which one's going to be a better deduction for you. Um, generally, when you have a car, you want to keep it consistent from year to year. So if you're doing mileage on your Toyota truck, then keep mileage on that. Once you stop using that Toyota truck for your business and you bought a new car and it's you know, a leased work car or something, then talk to your tax preparer. You may change your mind at that point mm. because that new car was expensive and it has a more expensive upkeep mm. than maybe go with the um, actual deductions at that point. Okay. So we talked through cash um, expenses, some common deductions. And then from there, you really want to start to get prepared for your call with your tax preparer. And we've touched on this already, but, you know, again, just using this as an opportunity to learn and become more informed and ask how their process is, ask how they would like to receive documents and just try and get it done as soon as you can, basically. Um, and then something you added to our list here, Kirsten, is just talking about if you went from being a sole proprietor to something else, that's something you want to mention as soon as possible. Do you want to speak to that? Yes. I actually just spoke with a new client yesterday who just said she had a simple business. She was self-employed and you know she had scheduled uh, or filed a schedule c on her taxes in prior years so i just went along with that and at the end um something slipped out that she actually created an llc in 2020 and i thought oh my gosh my you know all of my red flags went up going did you know that you know that potentially means that you need to file by march 15th not April 15th. Did you do, how did you do it? Did you do it on legal zoom? Do you now need to create some other kind of election to have it taxed the way you want it? Um, and she really didn't know much about it. So it was a very good thing that she called me to set up an appointment in January. So that way I could check in with her. What is this? How did you do it? What forms did you do? Send them all to me so I can get it set up and handle it appropriately. Because if she's not ready to file her taxes by March 15th, then I can do an extension. And I have that information in my system to file that extension for her. Um, those entities will come with penalties if you miss a filing, including your extension, to the tune of about $250 per month per shareholder. So very, very important to involve your expert when you do that and make sure that your tax preparer knows what you are doing and has... Um, all of the information on your on your business entity. There's something else you said at one point, Kirsten, on a different episode about um, about going from a sole proprietor to something else and forming an entity. 
And the advice you gave that I remember at that time was, if you're thinking of doing that, make sure you talk to a professional um, first and just get clear on what you're doing. Make sure that's the right thing to do. Make sure it's the right timing. I remember you talked about the timing of doing that in the year is important to think about. Mm -hmm. Do you want to just speak to that quickly? Um, Yeah. So if you uh, create a corporation at the end of the year, say in November or December, you still may be doing a sole proprietorship for the first 10, 11 months and still paying that self-employment tax for the entire year. and it doesn't give you much time to set up what you need to to get the most benefit out of it. So right now actually is a great time of year. Um, If you're doing that tax appointment, talking in the first quarter, ask them what the difference is when they look at your income and expenses and they're putting it as a sole proprietorship, ask them what the difference would be if you were a corporation. How would that change your tax situation. So when they're looking at your real numbers, they can say, well, you know, your $10,000 in self-employment tax will go away. Instead, you'll have payroll and different deductions. Um, And they can give you a really kind of concrete picture as to what that looks like and what you would be paying or not. Oh, that's really interesting. So you could have that conversation and say, all right, if you've if you think you're probably going to do the same next year or similar or more or whatever, mm-hmm. now might be the time to start exploring some other options for this new year. Right. And then you have all year to get used to what does it mean that I'm now an S corporation, that I'm a C corporation, an LLC. What does that mean? And when looking for an expert for um, what kind of entity to become, I would suggest actually putting the money forward to not only talk to a professional tax preparer for the taxation side of it, but also um, contact an attorney Mm. because there are other reasons why you might become a partnership, an LLC, an S corporation, those things. So kind of get all of the information first because it's a lot of red tape um, to go through to create something that doesn't really fit your needs or your industry. So get the information first before you get yourself tied into being um, a certain kind of entity. The last thing that you'll do is you start to gather this information. And and once you have gathered the information is start to fill in your, um, the summary sheet. And again, we're going to have this um, on our website for you to download and access so that you can, Um, Just have everything kind of in one place. So everything we've talked about on the checklist and everything that you need, I'm sorry, and the summary sheet, um, that'll be available for you to download at KenzaCollective.com. And so the only last thing that I think that the tax preparer, so sort of two things, two other things that you want to gather are um, copies of your checks or the receipts showing all of your estimated tax payments for the year. Is there anything specific people should know about that, Kirsten? Actually, I want to add to that one also. Um, The estimated payments that you started out, you know, paying throughout the year, copies of checks are best. So that way, when I look at a copy of a check, I'll see what agency did it go to and what did you write in the memo line? 
if you wrote your social security number and it should have been an EIN, then the IRS may have misappropriated it to a different return. And so copies of checks are by far the best and we'll have the exact amount paid to that agency in tax. And it makes a tremendous difference on a, a tax return in, in terms of how much you're paying or how much your refund is. It's kind of depressing to go back and tell somebody, oh, you don't get that $5,000 refund because you thought we had paid, you know, those estimated tax, but really you had missed one or you had paid less. And so the refund, the math was wrong because that's just a place on the tax return that you don't want to guess on. And then the other thing about the summary sheet is to itemize for 2020 your income in a way of, you know, so for mine, I would have my tax services and consultation fees. So that'll be on one line. Then I got an EIDL, um, $1,000 per employee thing, and write that separately. And then I got a PPP loan write that separately. And then I got an SBA loan, write that separately. Not all of those things are going to be taxable. And some of them may be and may be forgiven in the next year. We may be able to not include it in taxable income in 2020, even though your forgiveness on a PPP loan is going to come later. So all of this stuff, all I can say about it is it's confusing and it's constantly changing. So itemize each of those and go back and look in your bank statements. If you got a deposit in the spring for a stimulus check, that wasn't just 1200 per person. Sometimes it was a little bit adjusted. So it might've been $1,053. So go find that exact amount and either copy that bank statement with that highlighted or write those specific amounts um, down. Now the second stimulus check that just came out in early January is going to be on the 2020 return. Mm -hmm. Oh, so write down your January stimulus check as well. So you've got whatever you have happened in the spring and whatever happened in early January, write those down as income line or, you know, that yes, you got these, but it's not necessarily going to be added into your income. That's why you want to separate it out clearly so that your tax person can do the math and say, this one's not taxable. This one goes over here. And we want to see just your gross receipts for the services or sales that you did for your business. Okay. Separate from all of these other things that happened. Yeah. 2020 has a lot of variables to it that aren't, aren't the usual thing. So if you're just starting a business this year, yeah. it's a little complicated. <laughs> So again, talk to a professional about this because it's complicated. It is. Yeah. And you don't want to miss things. I'll never forget the first time I went through this with Kirsten when I had just started freelancing and the difference between adding in a healthcare, you know, our healthcare cost deductions. And when that wasn't mm -hmm. in there, it was 
a huge, it was a thousand, you know, thousands of dollars of a difference um, in terms of Mm -hmm. what I owed or not. And, you know, it's, these are, these things add up and this is a big deal to take this seriously and to learn and to not be um, intimidated by it. Just think of it as a fun challenge. You're getting smarter. um, And the more that you dive into this with an open mind to want to at least figure out what you can know without, you know, going full on tax professional yourself, um, you're just going to feel more empowered. And um, that's what we want here to empower people. Okay. Is there anything else that you, Kirsten, are telling your clients right now as you're having these calls, um, anything that people should just be aware of or be thinking about at this point in time? Well, if anybody is wondering whether the April 15th due date is going to be delayed like it was last year, I'm just flat out saying, no, it won't. So there's nothing coming out from the IRS about that. Um, There's nothing shocking about this pandemic right now. So I am not anticipating that date to be shifted. Um, We kind of need to keep that consistent. So definitely aim for your April 15th. Um, If you started an entity, you know, you're aiming for March 15th. Um, That doesn't go for every entity, but assume it does in your case and talk to somebody before then. And um, yeah, write down everything. Even if you write down your, you know, your direct TV expenses, put that on there as, you know, this was my TV cost. And as a tax preparer, when I receive a summary, I'd rather see more information and then, you know, cross out the ones and say, no, this one's personal. You don't get to deduct that. That's much easier (laughs) than me trying to ask questions saying, what about this? What about this? What about this? You know, I mean, that's certainly what I do, but I know I'm sending people, I'm sending people into a flurry of finding those other bills and going back into their bank statements um, when they were just there and you can do it all at once. So the more information on that summary sheet, the better for us. Perfect. Beth, mm-hmm. do you have anything that you want to add here, either for this point in time for people or their future selves? I, <laughs> I just wanted to, again, encourage people to go to the IRS website, and there's a whole section for gig workers, um, which is you. if you're a if you're a a person that works for yourself and um even though it you know that that terminology may not be how you describe yourself um check it out it's it's very comprehensive and it and it gives you a lot of details about things you ought to be thinking about so i think it's very valuable yeah we're going to provide um just a really handy little package for all of our listeners here totally free um, of everything that we just went over, some additional helpful links, um, a link to Kirsten's website. And if you have any questions, um, or if you need any other referrals, we would love to hear from you. Um, you know, if your tax person isn't available or if Kirsten's not available, um, we can try to rally together and and find you somebody else that, that we would recommend. Um, I also, we have a recommendation for a lawyer. If that's someone you need to speak with, um, we've had him on the show before. His name is Brandon Smith. Um, we'll include his link in the show notes too. I think it's brandonjsmithlaw.com. And he was on talking about AB5 um, on the podcast a while ago, very knowledgeable uh, specifically around uh, business formation too. Um, 
So, you know, we're here to help as always. We do not want this to feel overwhelming or intimidating for you um, because we know that you can do this. You can totally do this. <laughs> and a quick also reminder that the three of us you hear talking right now are also the three uh, teachers in the You Can Do This course. This course came out about a month ago and has been very well received. It uh, kind of goes through eight steps that you should be doing and thinking about when forming your business. So this is perfect for someone who's um, maybe been dipping their toes in freelancing for a little while and is kind of ready to start doing it full time. Um, maybe you've learned in this pandemic that it's always good to have a plan B and understand how to make money for yourself if you get laid off or if the, um, what do you call them, Beth? The what do you call like imprisoned workers? What's the, <laughs> the captive employees? Captive employees. If, you, if you stop being a captive employee for either because your boss asks you to leave or because you just get fed up um, and, and join us here in freelance world. Um, yeah, this is, this is a really handy course. I just want to say I've been in business for 20 years and I learned things watching this thing as I was reviewing it. So, I mean, it's super valuable and it's like, it's, yeah, it'll save you a lot of time and heartache. So, you know, I highly recommend this, yeah. this course and it's available at kenzacollective.com. Um, and it's called, you can do this. And, um, it's, it's an awesome course. Yeah. So, and I, just to put an extra plug in on that, when you do the effort and you find your experts, even putting out money for this, um, it is going to establish good habits. So all of this work is up front, and then you get set up and it runs smoothly. So much easier than going in with your head in the sand and discovering what you did wrong and trying to unravel it. So do the work up front, which you're already doing if you're listening to this podcast and keep going and um, you'll find that the success flows easily. I love that. Those are perfect words to end on. Kirsten, thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. You're always just such a joy to talk to and um, just bring such a calm and peaceful demeanor to taxes, which I never thought I would say that phrase, but... <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you very much it's been a joy to be on the show with you don't forget to head on over to kenzacollective.com click on podcast up in the top navigation and grab your free summary sheet and checklist that goes along with this episode and while you're there check out our you can do this course and feel free to browse around any of our other podcast episodes by category that might be helpful for you on your journey thanks for joining us today i hope you have a great one Thank you.